Welcome to Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, band, or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just the product of the hype machine. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged friend's group text that simply refuses to die. And a little known fact about me and the gents you're about to meet. We are scientists. Ooh, nice. Hey, I'm Noah. Uh, I'm Noah in sweatpants. <laughs> and i'm adrian coming at you covered in stale beer and old cigarettes were you at were you at penetration park by chance sir <laughs> is that by the mississippi river <laughs> and i of oh, course geez. am your host caleb the soon to be dad rocker oh not, not yet but i'll get all these references in, in december cool Cool. Welcome to episode 22. Deuce really deuce. chugging along. Yeah, deuce deuce, baby. 22. 22. What can we do for that? Yep. Uh, deuce deuce. We already did that. Uh, catch 22. Nobody listens to our podcast. We have to keep making podcasts so people will listen to it. <laughs> oh, that is a catch 22. <laughs> I never read that book or saw that movie. What's that guy's name? Thomas Heller or something? Joseph Heller. Joseph right. Heller. It was Heller, Love at First Sight. Water, baby. That's the opening of that book. He came up with that? That was him? It was Love at First Sight. You know, he's <laughs> probably a big Heller fan. As I, you know, <laughs> the Finn, baby. Uh, shark Craigie. Man. Yeah, Craigie the Shark Man Finn, baby. Does yeah. he have a lyric well, like that where he's like, my hat is like a shark's fin. That's why they call me Craig fan. He does mention sharks in this album. It's kind of yeah. like a chorus such as it is with this album. But yeah, yeah, we got to get into it. If you guys don't like Craig Finn's hold steady voice, you're not going to like this episode because that's all I'm going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was recording a podcast and my Wi-Fi went out. Now I yeah. had to go out. They said, you can't just buy Wi-Fi in a store anymore. <laughs> a guy's got to come to your house. Back in the pre-podcast days, this is an old <laughs> bit, was <laughs> Noah and our brother Zachary won a lustrous night. Um, I don't know if they're hanging out down by the river or the lake or whatever. But um, I came to the next morning or later in the night when all the bits had already developed and stuff, and they had an ongoing fake hold steady lyrics thing that just would not end. It was interminable. <laughs> um, we thought we were and in like dirty versions of hold steady lyrics, but then you no, listen to this guy he and out, he's all, he's perverted. You. He's perverse. Yeah. Well, we, we uh, nope. kind of jumped ahead there. What are we doing? What is all this talk about? Today, we have The Hold Steady and their album Separation Sunday from the year 2005. I believe it is their second album. Their second album in as many years. Um, That's right. Adrian, what did the people over at Pitchfork.com have to say about this album back in 05? Well, our esteemed colleagues over at Pitchfork gave this an 
they gave it a best new music. It was reviewed by Tom Brayan, Brayhan. Uh, he and he was a big reviewer over there for that decade. I think. I think he stopped reviewing around the 2010s. But uh, I pulled a little excerpt here from the end of the review. He talks. He starts it off by talking about the voice and talking about how it's kind of you know, it can be a deal breaker. But if you go all in, then, you know, you'll be rewarded or whatever. And I think this last piece talks a little bit about that, but also it talks about how kick-ass the band is. So here's a little bit of that. None of the album's overarching narrative would work if Finn didn't have an expert rock band backing him up. Finn's songs wheel precariously from one unhinged lyrical idea to the next, almost never stopping for choruses or going out of their way to fit into any sort of structure. But the band plays these songs like long-lost, fist-in-the-air classic rock anthems. It's well-schooled in every bar rock cliche and execute these moves with joy and conviction. The pick slide before the climax, the weeping Hammond organ on the bridge, the pregnant pause before the big riff kicks back in. Since their debut album, Almost Killed Me, the band has beefed up its sound with the help of Rocket from the Crypt producer Dave Gardner and keyboard player Franz Nicolay and its meatloaf pianos, greasy George Thurgood blues chugle, and wheedling journey guitar carry more heft and authority than they had on the last album. This stuff would sound great behind just about any garage rock hack, but it turns Finn's Dirtbag Chronicles into something epic and huge and molten and beautiful. So, you know, wow. a little overblown, but, you know, it's kind of apropos for this overblown fucking record, I think. Yeah, totally. But what struck me about that review is um, it was really short for an album that is so wordy. Yeah, it's like five <laughs> graphs, a, four graphs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't really... It's pretty truncated. Does it even address the whole concept album thing in the review? A little bit. Like really. it, it, yeah. it, it gives it like a basic overview of like the Hallelujah character. Oh, and okay. Like yeah, just, yeah. Just the background of like recovery and drugs, but yeah. doesn't go into the religious allegories and all that kind of shit. I yeah. forgot that this was like a uh, Zen arcade a la the Husker dude. Who shot out Twin Cities. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that it was like, yeah, a little punk rock opera. The old yeah. dad rock opera. <laughs> yeah, dad punk. Yeah, but and that's, I, I just want to slide into yeah, what Caleb, was, what's what, their deal? What was their deal? Uh, well, this being their second album, they didn't really firmly have a an established deal, but um, I believe Craig Finn was in a band. I don't know if they were also Brooklyn based, so they might have been St. Paul mini uh bass, but lifter puller. So that was like a band mm -hmm. he had co currently with them. I've never heard them, they were kind of like a post punk kind of band, yeah. Um, basically, the indie rock version of this band, yeah, yeah. And then this was like their second album, so they were like you know, they were, they were big around town in New York City and stuff, and I think you know members of this band were like bartenders or something you can i don't know that makes sense but um what was their deal and how it kind of fits into what their mold was in that time and i think that was the resurgence of heartland rock aka dad rock aka electric blazer rock um <laughs> uh, <laughs> which Old is punks. like yeah um <laughs> I, it's it's a hard thing to describe but it's basically like post maybe like 2003 2002 you couldn't reconcile indie rock without referencing like bruce springsteen he was like the yeah. you just like he had had a re people had rediscovered him which is insane because he was a huge huge artist you know for mm -hmm. most of the eight like top 
five of the 80s yeah, but he know? became lame after and like he became lame and then something happened the yeah and then something happened and people were like oh he's like the best that he was hidden in plain sight you know in a way and then all these bands um you know of that era and i think the hold steady is kind of the i don't know about the pinnacle the high watermark but definitely like of that of that like you know um yeah spruce springsteen kind of heartland dad dad rock which I think it has to do with the live the live i think show it's the, the live the e thing street band and they, yeah people, people saw that and they're like oh okay i think the kids they want their version of springsteen too yeah they can rock out and maybe they can even bring their dad to yeah and, right. and it needing to be a little bit um how to speak to the personal through the political or through like the narrative elements and how like all these um like themes of americana and stuff and how that speaks to people's like experience and stuff so it was like kind of had a literary bent to it as well um and and I think, yeah, people wanted to tell stories again and not just be so like, you know, in the bedroom and personal and have a more bombastic filled out sound. So I think they were definitely a part of that resurgence of bands. I mean, I guess like top of my head, like Titus Andronicus and Gaslight Anthem. And then, you know, not so much an indie band, but, you know, similar like the Drive-By Truckers and bands like Lucero. Yeah, I put um, like Ted Leo. In yeah, there. Ted Leo. The Maybe thermals little, are probably at the punky, punkier yeah, end of that. But Japan kind of like, droids a couple years later. Yeah, and then later, mm -hmm. what got more kind of electric would be bands like War on Drugs and shit, where it's like definitely like those hallmarks of, you know, Springsteen, um, Warren Zevon, even tom petty or like the jim carroll band you know kind of um those are kind of like the touchstones of taking radio rock basically fm radio rock from the mid 80s to the early 90s and restructuring the sound to have a little bit more youthful indie kind of sensibilities and yeah like no like you're saying like expose it to a, a generation through like bringing back like the big to do of a live show um yeah. so i think the whole steady or definitely of that group of bands and the kind of, I, I more or less that was their deal you know it's like they were very straightforward rock band with more like, like a like heavier indie, indie tinges but not the other way you know not the other way around they're a heavier version of like the counting crows yeah or even like <laughs> you know they're yeah counting crows for sure or like you know their twin city but um, they also Padres, uh, like the soul whole... asylum or whatever yeah, the mm. whole dad rock thing, it's like it's cool to be a kind of a meta bar band. Like, yeah, yeah. Where you're trading in on tropes and you're talking about similar subject matter, like being young and drunk, like chasing girls. Mm -hmm. But it's like a there's like a knowingness to it all. Yeah, there's like a layer of it. And it's like self commentary, referential. Yeah. And it, it's almost like it is the American version of Britpop, you know? Even yeah, Jarvis like, Cocker. Yeah, yeah, but it came later because, of, like, Britpop was so self-referentially British, you know, and that was, like, at the core of the identity. But and these kinds singing of, style, yeah. No, but mm -hmm. I, I mean more, like, identity of, like, these bands, like, every, it's all in the context of being deeply American, you know, and and, like, encompassing that experience and that sound of, like, you know, growing up with, you know, listen, fucking listen in the car with your dad or whatever, your white dad most of the time, right? Um, for these bands. And yeah, this is the kind of shit you hear. And then you kind of filter it through 
punk rock and literary references and things like that. So it was like, yeah, it was like reclaiming a more American centric, like in, in indie sound for better or for worse, you know, They're but nerds. without being, without <laughs> being, you know, like Toby Keith or whatever, nerds. patriotic, it's like America more as like the background to all Caleb, not nerds. they're celebrating. There's a term yeah. for that. It's called nerds. Nerds. Yeah. But then <laughs> I don't know. It kind of has like the I don't know. They're not like the jocks or they're not the nerds. They're kind of the burnouts, you know, who played guitar. Yeah. yeah. So right. It's like nerdy burnouts. I don't know who who doesn't relate to that, you know, present company. Adrian, <laughs> what do you say about this whole yeah, what, dad was their, rock? what was their deal? You're a nerdy burnout. What do you say about that? <laughs> I think Adrian's far well, more successful than <laughs> Yeah, I think that around the time, I don't know if it emerged out of, yeah, kind of the the retro rock that was coming out of the early 2000s, then it sort of emerged like, okay, we've done the 70s thing. Let's get into the, some of the more 80s things like you mentioned. I don't know if it maybe it has something to do with post 9-11 too, like, you know, kind of a fuck everything. Let's just rock out and party kind of feel as well. I don't know, maybe a little bit of that, but it's just... Yeah, it, it was an interesting little moment in time where, and I think I think it's certainly there's still bands that are doing this. Well, as we mentioned, you know, war on drugs and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think starting to make some of those touchdowns that were once, you know, verboten. You know, I mean, Springsteen was never really like that. I think there was always people that were champions of Springsteen, but I think there's a lot of artists like Springsteen where there's a lot of there could be a lot of cheese ball connected to it or just like like you're saying like the sort of americana kind of thing that's that's very specific and i think you know those touchstones became cool again and hip again and and like you're saying no in a winking way in a in a tongue-in-cheek way where it's like you know it's not really they're laughing and saying haha look at us we're doing this it's more like fuck yeah like we're doing this because the shit rules and yeah. you know we're earnest as fuck. Yeah, yeah. You don't yes. need to, you don't need to be like even the killers were dropping Springsteen references. You know, right. it, it had gone pop, like that whole big pop sound, I think is indebted to like the 70s arena rock, which a lot of that shit isn't cool and it never was cool. But Springsteen was cool. And I think for yeah. a while there, maybe he wasn't like post 9-11, like he's doing like that rising song where it's kind of like, okay, buddy. Yeah. But then he had, and then he did the, the Pete Seeger covers album. And then that kind of related back to roots music, you know, he always has that in his roots music and Americana, which, and then I think kind of in terms of underground genres of music would have been like alt country. Right. And then, so like Mm -hmm. people with an interest in alt country who are kind of touching on some of those, um, you know, influences of bar bands and, you know, like, you know, whatever, dad rock, heartland rock. And then then some of those bands are like, okay, we can be louder and propulsive and kind of strip away the the trappings of country, especially for from, you know, the upper Midwest or the East Coast or whatever, you know, that's not really a huge part of our identities, you know, and of our references. So I don't know. So it was an amalgam of like a lot of different forces, which, mm-hmm. you know, m- most music is, or most like, you know, when there's like these little, genre explosions or pockets of it but yeah i'd say yeah they don't it doesn't happen in a vacuum yeah yeah they're punk punk dad rock i guess 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certainly a streak of that Midwestern working class kind of punk rock, you know, that was a little different from like the more decadent English or New York or even LA, you know, where it was a little, it was a little wilder. I think this is more, you know, I think propulsive is a great word. I think the propulsion of the backbeat is something that's directly connected to like Husker do and those, you know, and the yeah, replacements and bands totally. like that. Yeah. You know what yeah. it's like? Do you ever see that Irish movie, the commitments? <laughs> yeah, totally. The yeah. whole city kind of comes out of that. Too. Well, that, that's, that's <laughs> no, that's a totally an Irish sure, thing. Yeah. I forget um, what it's called. Yeah. Uh, it's not, um, Oh man, I saw. I, I watched the Craig I watched Finn watching Netflix. that movie when he was like in what? What would he be like in high school or college? And yeah, like, huh. high school. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's like, there's something there, but what if we did that with like punk rock more than like R and B? Yeah, no, there's a whole thing like the the commitments and stuff was which is called show bands, and it was huge in Ireland, mm. and it was all like basically knowing like the great american songbook and the great british songbook and being able to like be very uh versatile uh genre wise and i think like the commitments are like the 90s depiction yeah, of that it's more so not the genre just the energy yeah vibe totally. mm -hmm. yeah having just like a broad tent kind of appeal yeah, yeah. cool well I think we got to the heartland of that conversation so um <laughs> their sound their sound is broad 10 i would say under the indie umbrella it's mm -hmm. a cast of long shadow however the singer craig finn i think is a divisive force for for a is, band that's this kind of safe sounding he is like he is he makes it a little artsy and a little it's not for everybody he definitely makes or breaks it for you like yeah, if you yeah. get in and you like him and you you can you know i mean it's certainly an, an affectation in his kind of sing sing speak you know sprechen sing or whatever it is in yeah. german yeah um, <laughs> he's doing like his marky e. smith voice but um Midwest. i'm gonna i'm gonna spring a uh top five on you guys if, if it doesn't work <laughs> we can cut it but top five uh speak singers talk singers whatever yeah, you want to call i mean lou reed i think is the king is yeah. yeah that's good as far yeah. as cool goes like i would say one that's a little bit more punk is david yao from uh the juices oh, oh, good that's, call. Big, that's a big one yeah. we'll put him at two we'll put him at two for that. adrian what do you oh you know i was trying to think of this hmm. i mean marky smith that's a good one he should be on gotta, the list for sure put him on there uh i don't know because there's a lot of some like malcolmus who does it but it's like kind of more slacker he's, he's doing lou reed right yeah. or like and then i was thinking like iggy pop does that sometimes but like not always sometimes he is kind of more crooning yeah. and singing but i like when he does the seek speak sing thing i don't know Will you guys have anything else tom I mean, waits does it tom waits kind of yeah, also like kinda. leonard also like leonard cohen you know oh, but cohen, I, leonard cohen yeah yeah um i would say like the the British guys, though, Jarvis Cocker mm. and Damian Alburn, 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 What's Alburn? Yeah. Alburn. they're the kind of kings of the speaky Britpop version of it. Yeah. Well, I think like like Pulp's Common People is like a cousin to this record. You know, it's like the British kind of version of this record in a way. Oh, I think they Talking ripped about... that song off. Frankly, that's like their DNA. I'd say it's it's. <laughs> 
a certain Bruce Springsteen song that I want to play later. And I would say, yeah, pulp. Like, I think there's a lot of de- uh, pulp influence on the Hold Steady Separation Sunday for sure. Nice, nice. So, yeah, thanks for indulging that um, little impromptu top five. But, um, yeah, why don't we uh, go into, what you know, uh, this band. What was their background? Yeah, so. Or of, of the album, rather. Yeah, so a little bit about the the, the record. As you as you mentioned, Caleb, the, these guys came out of a kind of more of the indie scene and with Lifter Polar. I listened to that record earlier, actually, today, and it's pretty good, or the their second record, I think. I forget what it's called, but that's kind of that was kind of more indie rock, like traditional indie rock. It's almost the same way that these guys are playing, like in this band, they're playing with the, the tropes of like classic rock and, you know, whatever it's in that one, they're playing with the tropes of indie rock and it's interesting and it's pretty good. But this record is, as you mentioned, Noah, it's their second record. It was recorded in December of 04 at Atomic Recording company in brooklyn and gigantic studios in uh, new york new york it was produced by dave gardner and dean baltulonis it took about three weeks to record and i think it was kind of an all hands on deck you know working 12 hour 14 hour days kind of thing but it seemed like from everything i read that everyone was really stoked on the way it was turning out and really stoked on working on it and the songs it was released by French Kiss Records on May 3rd, 2005. Uh, Ooh la which... la. <laughs> I don't think we've done a French Kiss Records album yet. But I've, they... never, I've never even heard of them. They have I've never um... French Kiss. Really? I was scared of it. I know kissing. <laughs> no, it's like Pretty Woman. I'm like a baby but kisser. They, <laughs> uh, but they, they do. Well, okay, French Kiss Records is home to our... Uh, oft mentioned, but never we haven't reviewed them yet. The Dodos. Oh, uh, it's coming, baby. Twenty twenty two summer. <laughs> and I think, well, I think the big Get thing your about them, out, baby. And I think the the big thing about them is, if I'm not mistaken, it's a member of La Savvy Fav that started it. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, they have you know, there's there's a few other bands. Antlers is on there, and a few other bands that are pretty big. But the record, as we kind of talked about or touched on a little bit is a concept album and it follows a few interconnected stories with a bunch of different characters one of them is craig the narrator which i it's not necessarily autobiographical like direct stories coming from his life i think there's a few things he picked you know picked and picked apart and you know used but the it's so it's kind of a loose you know version of himself I think the, the, the second kind of main storyline is Holly, uh, which is short for <laughs> hallelujah, which when I remembered that or saw that uh, rather, I was just like, oh boy, like that's a, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Um, I, and like it. I like all the hallelujah songs when they're more like blissed out. Like It works in this song, but just thinking about like, seeing it on paper is just kind of like oh boy yeah um, and, and and also not to mention like all those songs that frame her are also about like church shit too so it's like yeah name's already hallelujah and then you have all these religious references so it's yes. i don't know as as a lapsed catholic and then they know, use there's <laughs> it's, a, it's a little it's a little too much and then it's, the, it's not needed 
there's an organ that plays kind of the refrain of hallelujah the the song a famous uh, talk singer there's a reference to yeah the leonard cohen song in there oh yeah there's tons of references all over the place on this record but there's some other references all over the record (laughs) they had to sweep it up and it was stuck on the floor of the studio by the banks (laughs) of the river couldn't even get through that one without <laughs> laughing. That's actually um, really good. You've come a long <laughs> way since that night years and years ago uh, where, where everything was about like Henry Rollins sucking your dick or whatever. It was all whatever about Henry Rollins. <laughs> uh, but there's a couple of other characters. Uh, Charlemagne, who is a pimp. Um, and oh, I didn't mention that Holly is, uh, she's kind of like an addict, sometimes prostitute. Um, and as we mentioned, a born again you know, kind of struggling Christian Catholic uh, person. So, um, and then there's Gideon also, a, who's a skinhead, who's also part of the crew. Um, and it's it's about them and as they travel from city to city and going through parties and you know, kind of their lives as as it's as they're going through this. And but I think the kind of the one of the main overarching narrative themes that ties it all together is Holly's quest to find kind of the balance between you know, Catholicism, religion, um, and rock and roll through, through drugs, uh, which who, who among us has not been there, <laughs> uh, trying to find a religious experience through drugs. <laughs> um, and then it does end in a, in For a some at a hangover. I was at, was at a church. I was at church. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kev, didn't you leave during the middle of the, the... Yeah, dude. I had to excise my demons in the bathroom. <laughs> During the middle of like signing of the peace and like puked in the bathroom. Yeah, dude. I was like fucking exorcist baby. Naughty, naughty, peace naughty. Peace yeah, be with dude. you. He's like, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and some old timers like he's praying to the porcelain guy. <laughs> and then when I went to get the blood of Christ, I like just took the whole thing. I, I was, was like, in oh, church. The dog. I was praying to the porcelain god in a church bathroom. I'm surprised he doesn't have a lyric about I mean, he must have something similar to that about puking in a toilet. I puked in a low flare board toilet. There's not a lot of toilet talk on this album, which I am surprised. It's like I lived in a toilet. I well, I mean, drugs. drugs, when you're using drugs or doing drugs, bathrooms play a big, big part, whether Especially it's the handicap stall. <laughs> Yeah, whether it's <laughs> get back a yeah. lot of party goers in there, um, or so I've been told allegedly. Allegedly, we are yes. journalists, everything we say is yeah. secondhand from somebody else, <laughs> live through us. But, um, uh, so I don't know if you guys caught that, but yeah, there is a metaphorical resurrection at the very end, which brings it kind of full circle to the Christian Catholic thing. And I did want to mention that the, the last lifter pull their record not the one i listened to but the last one which is their third one is a concept album so i don't know how good that one is but it's kind of sort of like a spiritual sister to this one or like a like a you know they already tried it once so i think that they're more confident here maybe because of that and so maybe like that that let him be like more free with it um which is you know to it's to i think it's makes it stronger uh, but the band they wanted the like rather than kind of following a verse chorus verse style you know classic kind of pop rock s- song structure 
they wanted things to be a little bit more loose. So there's not really a lot of choruses on this. There's more, it's more just kind of, yeah, he's just kind of verbalizing and speak, you know, telling these stories and these songs uh, as the band kind of fucking rocks out behind them. And the album was almost entirely written before they entered the studio, which I guess if you're writing something, this kind of, you know, I hate this word, but epic certainly fits here. You know, if you're writing this kind of thing, it probably helps to have it ready to go before you get into the studio. But I think Crucifixion Cruise is the only one that was written in the studio. Everything else was, yeah, great song. Um, Everything else was written prior to the, to them entering the studio. Then, and as I mentioned, they, they recorded long days, you know, and, and so it was, you know, a labor of love to make this record. But they did lose one member. Uh, the original drummer, Judd Council, left halfway through recording. He was, I think, a childhood friend. I can't remember if it was of, I think it was of Tad Kubler, the guitarist. I think they were go back or maybe someone else in the band. But he was, you know, he, he was the only one that had like a serious day job and stuff. So he he's like, I can't, I'm holding you guys back. You need someone that's more suited to the rock and roll kind of touring lifestyle. Um, so they brought in bobby drake who is their current drummer great band name great band member name yeah i believe that's isn't that iceman's name in the x-men could be wrong on that um (laughs) but so the way that they also a good name for a rock and roll drummer it's like we got the iceman on the skins baby (laughs) that's probably what they call him yeah so we brought in the iceman not the one from the comics. comics. <laughs> the one from Minnesota on the river of the Mississippi fucking river. Riverside Comics. <laughs> um, I just looked it up. It is indeed Iceman. Um, the Iceman. Who is Ice one Man of the few coming, one of the few gay uh, comic book characters and a pretty pretty uh, pretty interesting character. But anyways, the band would begin tracks by playing together and First, they'd get the rhythm section down, so they get the the backbeat, and then uh, Tad Kubler would come in and just overdub the shit out of it. His quote is something like, "I would come in and do thirty overdub guitar parts until they told me to go home," um, which you can really tell on some parts. There's a lot of really, really nice stacking and stuff going on, and just a lot of nice textures to the guitar, the guitar work. I, and they I would just few... like wake. Craig Finn up and they're like, all right, do your fucking thing. <laughs> We're all well, we all go get lunch. And he's like, I think I have some stories here in my fucking composition book. And I'll just I'll just yelp over that. Yeah. Call it a my, day. Call that lunch. My Bukowski, my like nice guy Bukowski routine going on the mic. <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm a nice guy, new Bukowski. Yeah, he's like a, he's like he a told me. white knight, like fuckboy energy coming. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's a little bit of that going on there. Light incel energy. Yeah. And you look um, like Drew Carey, but you look like Bukowski. I'm all the incel because I can't get it up from all the drugs. I was in a cell before I knew what an incel was. All right, all right. Oh, you know, right. talk singer uh, B52s. Oh, uh, yeah. oh Fred Schneider. Great, 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 really great, underappreciated band. He's number one. He's number one for talk singer. (laughs) This guy kind of, Craig Finn's got a lot of B-52s in him now that I think about it. Well, when you do your impression, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just you conflating the two in your head. (laughs) 
What I love now is musical impressions, how far afield they'll go from the actual. They'd be like, it's like, dude, he kind of sounds like Jell. And then everyone just ends up sounding like Jell Biafra. All good impressions <laughs> veer, they veer into a, like a surreal section where it's not quite accurate, but not yeah. off enough. So it's just like, it's just funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, anyways, getting back, I have only a few things left before to finish off. So um, I have a few kind of facts about the songs and um, what they're about. Uh, or what they reference and stuff. Hornets, Hornets, the first song is a reference to Craig Finn's high school hockey team in Edina, Minnesota, the Hornets. So there's a little bit of kind of that hometown pride thing going on there. Penetration Park actually refers to Loring Park in Minneapolis, which I understand was a cruising spot back in the day, but I guess it's all been cleaned up now. As oh, that's just stolen. Many cities. Yeah, like for cruising for like, gay men yeah yeah i think it was like that or oh. and prostitutes is, is that so, so is craig finn a tell? gay man or is he a tourist no i'm i'm guessing it was probably like it, it, maybe it wasn't purely gay i think maybe it was like it's like a white prostitution sort of situation you know, anything probably drugs too a drug place yeah okay. yeah we've been to those parks Sure. Yeah. Rest in peace, those parks, man. They, that's a dying art. Is that a good, is a dying uh, art. Yeah. Just a oh, good yeah. all-purpose vice park. <laughs> yeah. I think gay sex is a vice, but you know what I mean. I mean, like, they still have them, but it's like you don't want to intrude on them anymore because it's yeah, yeah, it's more niche. But yeah, the whole like <laughs> oh, it's like oh, you can go there to you know get an anonymous blowjob. You can go there to yeah. buy crack. You can go there to yeah, sleep. Get a little you know? meth. Yeah. <laughs> a little something for everyone you can go there and just have a legitimate barbecue day in the park <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> while all that stuff goes on around without you, all the, no, the party no yeah dude. yeah it's like the department store of cool shit outdoors <laughs> parks kids uh, google yeah dude back to our pro-socialist uh, talking points parks public spaces very much needed for all yeah. sorts of reasons and no cops in the parks we don't need them yeah keep no, them out fuck them Parks, go, police, police what you do themselves. is you go you go to the library you get a nice book you take it to the park and you read yeah. and you drink like eight tall cans and then you fucking you see a lot of crazy shit park. you see a lot of crazy shit in a park but you don't see a lot of violence in a park because you're in a park you're just too oh i've seen didn't we see a guy get a fist fight the other day yeah but it's not like but <laughs> it's not gonna spill over to affect you it's like yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. some dude True. got checked he robbed somebody right it's not like the Case warriors closed. movie or whatever <laughs> yeah. where it's just like yeah you can't be here <laughs> it's right like, it's like well okay that's yeah. some street justice we witnessed uh, <laughs> like you said it, the park there's like isolated the incidents <laughs> yeah <laughs> Totally, but everyone kind of does have their little. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a city planner. I don't know. Their little session. <laughs> You're not. I always wanted uh, to be a city planner. So I went back to college, got my certificate, and I quit this band. Anyway, sorry, Adrian. Well, I'm so close to finishing. Let me just get through this last bit here. Um, so the, I'll, as I said, the the record is not completely autobiographical things are pulled from his from these guys lives uh first to to inform these songs um but one story i did pull was uh and that they pulled from was i guess one night they're all partying in an aforementioned bathroom bathroom um you know so we know what's going on in there but i guess once once they were finished up and uh, upon exiting tad kubler saw a writer 
uh, named Jessica Hopper and said, what's up, Stevie Nicks? Uh, to which she replied, you know what, Tad? I think you have more in common with Stevie Nicks than I do. Oh, nice. Which is just like, uh, it's such a perfect, like, subtle put down. <laughs> like, you fucking, like, you fucking cokeheads. Like, you I know. A lot exactly of pin addict. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that gave the title to the song, uh, Stevie Nicks, although it's spelled with a NIX in the, on their album in that version. That presaged like the whole like every person in a major city trying to look like Stevie Nicks and be obsessed <laughs> with Stevie Nicks. I was like 15 years uh, before it's I don't know. There's always been witches, but it certainly got came into popularity. Yeah, it kind of kind of peaked recently. Stevie Nicks She's is got, cool. Yeah, she kicks ass. She rules. And mad respect to her for canceling her tour for uh the COVID shit. Like it's a, bit, it's a big move, but now I'm with Eric Clapton on this one. <laughs> I'm only <laughs> playing to people who aren't vexed. I only play super spreaders, baby. Dude, you go out and see I Morrison. was at the record store and I, the one Eric Clapton album that I really, really like that I don't have, have. <laughs> they had it there. The what's it called? Like four, six, one, something drive. Oh, four, six, one ocean drive. Is it ocean something boulevard? Like that. That's something like good. That. Great and it was like record it was in three dollars it was for three dollars and it was like pristine and i was like fuck i told the guys like hurry up put this in a bag (laughs) (laughs) the old put it in a bag yeah uh, brown bag this one (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah you run into a friend you're like oh what'd you get you're like "Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well it's like me when i buy the the first screwdriver album (laughs) all screwed up yeah come on it's it's good boy no boy um anyway all right just to finish up here the band graced the cover of the village boys in may of 05 the wiki says that that was the first time a rock band had covered been on the cover in like 10 15 years or something like that um although it's not this the citation needed so i don't know how accurate that is but so like the strokes were never deal. on there or anything yeah you know i don't know i that seems inaccurate but in any case that was a big deal for them it kind of helped blow them up a little bit um and then they did end up you know as as we said before pitchfork gave them a great review they let in on a bunch of year-end lists you know uh uh, spins was was one that they landed on um, and also the village voices own Paz and Jop poll which is I think a critics poll so you know it it I think the first record got a little bit of a claim and then this one kind of blew them blew them up more to to, to the point where they're kind of more of a now at this point after this they're kind of have a little more cachet to make their next record and I think they are also like you know probably a little bit more popular nationally now and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think to get like kind of all that, you know, I mean, a lot of the music journalism of that day was like based in New York too, but like for them to get like regionally famous, like where they're from kind of makes sense because they were kind of, even though they had a pretty standard familiar sound, but that was probably refreshing for 2005, you know, with mm-hmm. the whole like downtown thing, kind of like getting big and maybe tapering off a little bit to hear a band that was just kind of, yeah, had a more like global straightforward rock sound and was like telling stories, but you know, in, in a different kind of, I don't know, way. Yeah. I could see how that could, you know, get, get a lot, make them always, little town darlings. Yeah. Publications were always looking to crown the next great, like, rock lyricist as well back yeah then right like people paid more attention to that now it's been sucked up by like 
and rightfully so like hip-hop people are like or or more like pop singers in general or r&b singers where it's like, yeah oh those are like the real song the poet laureates of for the people that have song culture. craft like yeah you know. totally right. absolutely um should we go on should we take a break real quick yeah why don't we take a little break to go piss in the river <laughs> i had to take a press what up we're back fucking hood rats <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> let's go into our uh personal histories you know for an album that's all about personal histories what is your uh craig finish story with this album noah well my personal history was a personal mystery personally <laughs> I this album I definitely heard it back in 05. Um I think I again it's a common refrain here it was a MySpace I had read about them on Pitchfork and then checked out the songs they had on MySpace and then my brother my older brother Zachary was uh he was kind of early on them I think he even had their first album a friend of his burned him their first two albums and then he showed me uh, Separation Sunday, and I liked it. It was interesting. Zachary was a big, big Heartland guy. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was uh, you know, in his heart, he was actually from the Midwest. Yeah, or the he, suburban he, East Coast. He was even early, at, like a fan of like he liked like some of the Killers, Bruce Springsteen, Stinian Rock, anything Bruce Springsteen esque. He liked to show me, including Bruce Springsteen at the time. He's way into it. Um, but this album, I I spent just briefly, a brief amount of time with back in 05. And it wasn't until 2006, the next year, when this uh, Hold Steady came out with um, Boys and Girls uh, in America. That was the album that I connected to more. And that album like played in my car certainly during my whole time at the pizza store adrian i believe we would even play it at the pizza store at the shop rocking out from time to time um so this album was just it was just a lead up to their next album for me where i i kind of liked this album at the time but then by the time i was getting into separation sunday their second album had came out already you know because it was such a quick succession of albums that I got, I just kind of never went back to this one. I always skipped to the next one and listened to Boys and Girls in America more. But 2005, I was definitely into Bruce Springsteen. I was definitely into some of the punk rock stuff that they're referencing. I was a, I'm always a diehard. One of my favorite bands is The Replacements. I know a dude hosting a podcast about music. And their favorite brand is the replacements. That's let's play a little game, listeners. What yeah, do you think Noah yeah. looks like? <laughs> That's kind of on the nose. <laughs> Based on that. <laughs> That's kind of on the nose. But yeah, so I, I was I was into this, open to all this uh Heartland Rock, Dad Rock, uh Wilco, of course, at the time as well. The kings of the dad rock. But they were second wave Sunday dad always, rock. Yeah. And then they became dads. 
But what is first wave dad? The Paul McCartney. See, I think it, it, I mean, I it's, it's such a weird term, but there's like intentional dad rock. And then there was just like post facto dad rock. So like post facto dad rock is like kind of the uh, smarter, not necessarily, but I don't know, the more heartlandy kind of classic rock, like your Neil Young's, your oh, Seegers, yeah. you know, stuff all dad would listen stuff to. that you're white. <laughs> comfortable lower to middle middle class dad would have listened to out of some sort of vehicle at a barbecue yeah. or something but and then there was the stuff that like took all that that we were talking about at the top of the show and referenced all those like musical um, approaches and styles yeah. and stuff yeah so, so i was into that but this album has always taken a back seat if i'm gonna fire up a hold steady album it's probably going to be their third album, Boys and Girls of America. So that'd be my history. That this one was just sort of a uh, appetizer for their next album for me. A little communion wafer, <laughs> yeah, or that donut after church. Right on. Um, what about you, Adrian? Yeah. So I actually had very little to no history with this record. I think. I mean, I obviously had heard about them around this time, probably from you guys a little bit, but, you know, and then maybe that's I overheard hearing that maybe some, someone was playing it, but I never really listened, sat down, listened to them until uh, similarly until boys and girls in America. Um, but I got really, really into that record. And as you mentioned, Noah, like, yeah, I, we would play it at work, you know, when we were drinking beers. Um, I would play it to go walking to work. It was great for that to, to my gas station job. Perfect. And, Hold steady job. Yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. It's like exactly. A character in one of his songs. <laughs> Walking to work. Um, <laughs> but it's just, uh, you know, walks to work at the 76. It'd be one of the sadder songs <laughs> with the plaintive <laughs> piano lines. Yeah. Sad about working at a gas station. Or having a job, having to support yourself. Gas station at night, it's the pizza store. (laughs) He's working two jobs. Uh, Yeah, to pull myself through school for sure. It would have, it would be a perfect song. But yeah, so that's himself through school. Now you're the producer of an illustrious micro niche (laughs) podcast. Oh, it's almost put myself through hell. Story. I put myself through hell. Put myself to school. But now I'm a lawyer. I'm a podcast lawyer. Right now I'm a podcast lawyer. But yeah, I, so I didn't really ever listen to this record. As I mentioned, maybe hearing it in passing, maybe hearing it, you know, in someone's car or one of the songs at a barbecue or something. But yeah, I really had no no history with this record uh, or connection really until now, uh, despite loving the boys and girls in America and some of their other records actually, but uh, I just never really returned to this one. So yeah, that's kind of where, uh, where I net out. Yeah. Um, for me. Yeah. Probably like, I think I was definitely didn't hear this album when it came out. Like, you know, um, I would have first probably heard about it through my brother, Zachary. And that would have probably been later. Cause I remember he got me into the drive by truckers, when I was down on a visit, I was in Oakland visiting from Humboldt and I, we were, I was old enough to be drinking with him in a bar. So that would have had to be 2008 or later. 
and um and i'm always like a few years behind on albums and shit anyway so that's like no big deal but yeah so he had told me he told me about the drive-by trackers and i think those their bands are kind of similar you know they're like good narrative qualities like big band sound um kind of daddy rock like references classic rock a lot and so i guess they had toured together and then zachary was like told me about the whole steady i think and then um and then i was like oh cool and then i think one of y'all told me about the poison girls in america album and i had heard that just a couple times and didn't listen to it, it was really wasn't my thing it was a little too straightforward to for me i liked the storytelling and i like that like kind of what it had in common with dbt and um you know other bands where it's like you kind of have this like meta narrative uh throughout the album and i thought that's you know it's cool concept wise but then ultimately it's just like a little too bloated and like i don't know there's it it a lot there's a lot to take in um not like challenging musically but just like kind of exhausting to like process that many words and story and things so um yeah, so that was like the first time they were ever really put on my radar. And so, and I had like really no knowledge of this album until like maybe I'd heard Boys and Girls in America a couple times and like maybe dug back into their, um, you know, back catalog and maybe listened to it a couple times. And yeah, I mean, I think I dug, I dug it. I was like, this was kind of in my, um, when I, when I discovered binge drinking and like doing like beer bus, you know, so this would have like probably gone on along with like, uh, Southern Rock Opera, which is kind of like a, which is the Drive By Trekkers album, which is kind of a spiritual cousin to this album, even though it came out in 2001. But that album's too, like, has all these, like, narrative arcs to it. it. Tells, like, the story of, you know, the rivalry of, like, Neil Young and Robbie Van Zant, and then also, like, the Leonard Skinner, like, crash and stuff. So that kind of, like, has all these common characters and stories. So, um, yeah, so there's, like, this summer, I was just listening to that and all, like, the kind of sad boy like heartland shit and this probably would have found its way into that mix you know um a couple times but other than that other than like swilling beers late at night i it it kind of completely fell off my radar and then by the time this band kind of broke big i don't know they seemed a little too basic to me for me to kind of to go back into listen to older shit or you know pursue their new shit so yeah like yeah i say all that to say it's a pretty pretty minor history with them yeah, they became progressively more basic, I think, a little bit. Yeah, totally. Sweet. Yeah, so, yeah, it seems like we all have, like, not super deep histories with this album, but um, how do we feel seems about like it now? like we should have been, re- been reviewing uh, Boys and Girls in America. Instead. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting <laughs> that, like, I forgot I thought that that album was this album because that's how much I care about this band. Like I was like, I was like, oh, that's their big album. But then I realized that yeah, Boys and Girls in America was more of a breakthrough. Yeah, um, but I think for the era, this album is better to review because it's like, yeah, it's more interesting. Yeah, it's more yep. interesting, and it's like earlier on, and it also like kind of comes at like um an interesting nexus of like what was popular and like all these different bands. They were kind of doing this sound and shit. So, Sweet. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I bet we all listened to this recently. What do we feel about it? What's our how we're reacting to it? Um, I can go. Caleb, you talked about in your personal history, uh, the feeling of a little bit of exhaustion when it comes to this band because it is kind of a lot with all the words and the references and. 
I don't know. I found myself a few times listening to this album being like, dude, just shut up. Like, let your band do some talking. Like, let that piano riff have a little room to breathe. He's kind of suffocating with his delivery. It's just a lot. But, in full disclosure, usually for these podcast episodes i like to listen to an album like 10 12 times throughout a week i only listened to this one about five times Mm. just because i found it hard to get through and after the first listen i was like oh shit i don't even know if i want to go back to it it was like a little obnoxious and i think my main detriment to this album is i don't care for the first three songs yeah. So on an 11 song album, the first three songs I think are kind of annoying. That's kind of a hard bar to get over. However, I think the back half of this album, like songs maybe four through 10, 11, it's pretty good. Like I, it, it grows on you for sure. And the dude's voice is to me, I respect what he's going for. I like a lot of his lyrics. I think they're clever and they are. He's in on the joke. He's not like super, he's earnest in delivery, but I think there's an irony to like some of the stuff he's singing about. I did grow to kind of like it and I listened to it more and more and it made me want to listen to their other stuff. So I spent also, maybe that's why I didn't listen to this one album over and over again this week because I started checking out their the stuff they put out after this. And there's there's good stuff. They're like a steady, you know, steady band. They're no pun intended. Steady hand. <laughs> yeah, they kind of, they deliver on what they set themselves up to be. Some like nerdy Midwestern ex-punk rockers making a Springsteen ode to want to tell you all about it yeah taking you to rock school i like it i like it (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 a lot it is a lot it okay i'll sway i would never recommend this band to anybody no that's embarrassment rock all the way yeah (laughs) oh caleb you're right it is embarrassment rock I were you finished? Sorry. Yeah, that's it. I'm finished. Yeah, it's just funny that you said said that because when I since Emily is gone, um, I was playing this out loud. Usually, I'll listen to it on headphones, and for a second, I was like, "Oh, the neighbor's gonna hear me playing this," and that's oh, not that I even care. My, that's my excuse. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Oh, but then like I was like, I don't know, who cares? Fuck it, whatever. I bet uh, the, some of the neighbors in the sack like, there, Adrian, are probably into it. <laughs> probably. Like, hell I mean, yeah, brother, certainly... you washing your car too on the lawn later? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know, I actually really I really like the music. I think that the band is really tight. I think that Tag Coogler is a really killer guitarist, and I, I love a lot of it, the riffs that he's came up with on this record. I think there's a lot of strong soloing on this record too. And uh, in the layering that he does, there's some thin Lizzie shit on here that is just really kick ass that I love. 
and the, the production is just super clear and really like crisp. Uh, in one of the retrospective interviews I read, Craig Finn actually calls that out and says that he's super proud of that because it does not feel necessarily dated, um, even though the songs are the songs maybe sound like they're from that time, but the production isn't dated. It's kind of a timeless production because it is so like unembellished, but you know, suits the songs. So I, I think that, that that really helps push a lot of this stuff over the, you know, push it over the edge. I really like the keyboards and the piano lines that come through throughout. There's, there's, I think maybe just one song that's kind of pure p- piano balladry, but he, you know, they do pull it out a bunch. Um, the, the keyboardist pianist friends Nicolay, he uh they said that he they kind of tricked him into being in the band because he they like asked him to come jam and you know they're like you know it's cool whatever you can play on the record or whatever and you know leave whenever you want it's all right and then he just ended up staying for like the you know the next five years or whatever um and he Is did he the leave guy and that come back quit? yeah he left and then he came back but he, he has a very specific guy- mustache but am I mixing him up with another keyboardist from a famous indie rock band where he he went on this whole diatribe about how he was quitting the band because he's like a he compared his band mates to like hedgehogs and like <laughs> Do you guys remember this? It was him uh, or the keyboardist for like the shins. Some guy quit oh, a maybe. famous band like at the height of their popularity and he was the keyboardist. And he said, he's like, I'm like a lion. These guys are like fucking hedgehogs. Oh, he made fun of, he made fun of the whole dad rock thing. I was like this middle of the road, dad rock shit. Like I'm out of here. I don't, I didn't, I couldn't, nobody could tell if the, the band was in on the joke and he was just messing around. Might've been the guy from the shins. But it would make sense that dude would have would have said that because the stuff that he because he's like a multi multi instrumentalist. What do you know that word? Multi instrumentalist. (laughs) But he does it for all this kind of like twizzy, like circusy kind of like shit, like um, like the World Inferno Friendship Society, and then like bands that are kind of related to I don't know, like ska and weird kind of I don't know post. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah, whatever, I so it up. I think it was the guy from the Shins. Yeah, I'm sorry. but I, it would make sense though, because like the other stuff he does is like yeah, kind of like throwback, kind of like post or pre-rock kind of stuff. I don't know, kind of like a Dresden's Dolls kind of crap. Oh, yeah, right. I tried um, googling it. I was like indie rock keyboardist, like throw shade at band as he exits. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything on the internet. But I remember reading about something about a hedgehog band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but he he was like a big player in that cabaret. <laughs> cabaret, that's kind of the word I was looking for. The cabaret yeah, style, yeah, like for sure, baroque punk kind of shit. Yeah, he plays like just very, very particular. Primarily. I bet he's really big here in Alameda. That kind of shit seems really <laughs> relevant. Post post rockabilly. Well, anyways, enough <laughs> about Nicolay there. I I really I just I really like his work on this record. I think there's some nice um, some nice piano stuff and there's some nice subtle lines that really <clears throat> suit the songs um and i like the i think the rhythm section is really killer too there's some really nice bass line bass work and and the guitars are always kind of or i'm sorry the the drums are always kind of in the pocket and you can't really tell if there's two drummers on here i i didn't think about that when i was listening to it but um, maybe you can tell i don't know it it's all very 
it's all, all very much of a piece and very, you know, super rock and roll. So um, I really just love that driving beat. But, you know, as I've mentioned on the pod before, I'm not usually a lyrics first person, but it's kind of impossible not to get like <laughs> you kind of have you. to like listen to the lyrics. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about you, Adrian. I was like, what's Adrian going to say about <laughs> right up in lyrics? your face with They're it. right there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I went back and forth on that. Like there was times where I'm like, okay, this is actually really good. And like, I get what he's going for. And But they're not like the song stories. either. So it seems no. like that might be a make it a little, if you're not a lyrics person, that makes it maybe a little bit more bearable because it's just like a maybe, dude well, talking uh, to you. I don't know about maybe. that. Or yeah, could I make it worse. I, I, I think it goes the other way because then it sounds like a guy reciting like poetry at you. It's slam like a, poetry. it's like a hop skip. Yeah, it's a hop skip and a jump from slam poetry, you know. What but was that guy's name Sal something, the slam poet of the two Saul, Saul Williams. Yeah, remember when people were like, he's actually making some good records, and it's like if you like <laughs> obnoxious shit, I guess. Yeah. I think I liked one of his records, but I I don't know. It's very yeah, it is very specific. Uh, I had a friend. Yeah. There was always friends in 2006 that were trying to play you Saul Williams videos <laughs> on YouTube, and you're like, "No, stop. He's cool. <laughs> I get it, but stop." I like <laughs> what he's doing, and he's good at what he does, but this is making me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but like slam poetry is like one of those things. It's like ASMR. It's like if it doesn't work for you, it just it gives you like a like a visceral feeling. That is really yeah yeah this is cringe it's kind of cringe the album at times well that's what i was gonna that that's perfectly leads into the next thing i want to say which is like some of them some of the songs really they do work really well they flow really well they're constructed really well um and then and his vocals are are you know delivered well um but then there's other times where they're just like uh, these just eye-rolling allusions to things or references or these kinds of cringy like little jokes and i don't know if it's supposed to be like in character and they're supposed to be in inherently just kind of like oh yeah this this dude's you know a shitbag so he talks like this or whatever but yeah i mean it, it obviously it is that but it's also like it's hard to kind of separate it from him since it is he is the narrator called he's craig having his, he's having his cake and eating it too right Exactly. I'm a snotty punk rocker because I'm in character. Yeah. But I'm also like a poet laureate. But I'm pretty well read. I know exactly. And I know what like the Greek chorus is and all that. Well, he's doing that's what Bukowski did, where it's like, I'm a piece of shit, but I know I'm a piece of shit. So I can write smartly about it, kind of. Yeah. And then, like, and then he, you know, he, he, throws in enough stuff like biblical illusions and like pop culture references and stuff. And it's like, so it, most of it works. I, th- I would say all of it works. It's just like, there are moments where it's just kind of makes it a little bit kind of, yeah. Like I found myself being like, Oh boy. Well, yeah, it works, but it also kind of works better on a younger person, you know, <laughs> like, mm, when you're true. at a certain age and you're kind of like, right. I yeah. think reading, yeah. you're reading on the road and listening yeah. to this album. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like when he references like, like Kate Bush, you're like, okay, like most of us knew who Kate Bush was at that point. You know, you're not like 
exposing anything to us and people are like oh I'm gonna that's what he gets credit for caleb that's what he gets credit for it's like these references running up that hill by k bush and in the same song he references bones brigade and then he also says the wood the the word hood rat so it's like whoa who is this guy it's like uh (laughs) Yeah, yeah it's he's like just the vector for Madlet. all these different things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, just to finish up, I, I overall I thought that oh, actually, one more thing I did want to touch on is that like as as we kind of as you guys have mentioned a little bit, we you know, we are kind of you know, former Catholic school, you know, boys. Uh <laughs> just three Catholic so, school boys. Right, but but so like I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> right. But like, so I, I, I've been thinking about going back to church recently. <laughs> Just for you can't get, you can't, can't get communion though. Cause you got married outside of the church. So you got to do that. If you want to get communion, which means you got to convert well, uh, Kiki to Catholicism. My altar boy, 10 fucking years. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my got receipts on all that shit. They're very <laughs> process oriented. Anyway, sorry. But so I so I do identify with a lot of that and like the connection of like being a young person, you know, kind of weird, confused about religion and, you know, using a lot of drugs like that, that all connected with me for a variety of reasons. Um, But yeah, overall, I like the record. I, I think it's a great record. Now, would I revisit the record in its entirety? I don't know about that. I'd have to be in a very specific mood. But, you know, if if some of these songs popped up on one of the playlists or something or, you know, if I really, really had an inkling to listen to, you know, Stevie Nicks or some, whatever, or, you know, Hood Rat Friend, then I would do that. But I, I, I just can't see myself listening to the whole thing again, because you guys are saying it, it is a whole lot to digest in one sitting. Um, it's like, I think it's over an hour long, if I'm not mistaken. Is that uh, I think it's just about, yeah, it's like 50 minutes or something, maybe a little over. It's not, oh, 42. It's 47 okay. minutes, I think. 42. 11 songs, um, but Adrian, every song is like perfectly like three and a half minutes, give or take. Right. So there's it some, becomes like kind of one note. It becomes yes. a little loggy, yeah. Yeah, well, that's it's like going I, to mass. You know? That's another good point because I think that there's a bunch of these songs where they're not exactly carbon copies of each other, but they're like so closely related that it's almost like they're the same song. Yeah. But One anyways, English. yeah, that's. Well, how do you feel about this, Caleb? Yeah. Well, to touch on that point where it's kind of like a little repetitive, I, I at first that is kind of something you notice, and it's a little bit. You know, you kind of over it, but then you realize about like all the like romanticizing, like drug culture and like punk and stuff. It's like a lot of that shit is mundane, and it was, you know, it's not that good of a time. There's not that much to rehash, so it's kind of like trying to create something out of nothing. You know, and it can, kind yeah. of keeps repeating all the same stories and all that shit. You know, I thought that was like kind of a weird meta piece of it, but yeah, on the 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 whole album. I think like this was this was like the first assignment that we've had with this podcast where it's like, (laughs) you know, you got to do your reading. So I don't know. I'm pretty I'm pretty torn on it. I think like the sing talking is a little taxing. I mean, it really helps that 
tell the stories, you know, and this his whole vocal delivery and the way that he writes lyrics are very clever. And so you, you need to like kind of talk at people and then, you know, uh, be clear and to make sure all those references and all the different like story arcs and all the narrative pieces kind of fit and are impactful. So, I mean, it serves a purpose, but, it, but it, he's it, not. He's saying shit. He's setting up the scene. There's no action in these songs. He's setting up the characters in the scene. It's not like, for yeah. example, a great talk singing drug song like Lou Reed Street Hassle. There's action. There's a scene. There's characters, totally people moving out of that scene. There's there's cause and response. There's there's conflict. Yeah, I this guess narrative is, is kind narrative of, is wrong. This he's big on he's big on image uh imagery and atmosphere and like imagery yeah Yeah. there's not Um, there's not a momentum for the totally yeah um which i kind of enjoyed from a lyrical perspective it like it has a certain romance to it but then it's also you know critical and skept and cynical too for like i was saying about like you know being in your 20s and hanging out with 'er ne'er-do-wells and like you know trying to you know get in touch with the higher being whether that's like a musical scene or drugs or whatever and like all that stuff's ultimately kind of hollow so um i thought that like the way he sets all those scenes and all those vibes um i don't know that that kind that kind of worked on me i don't know there's an illusion in the um in the review where he mentions dennis johnson and like Mm -hmm. at times it reminded me of jesus I never read the book because I don't read, but the movie is one of my favorites <laughs> or used yeah, to be one of my book. favorites. I'm sure it's a great book, but book, I'm Caleb very familiar like 90, with the, the movie. Caleb the, Caleb, the book is like 95 pages. I know. I could, read. Yeah. I could read it. Do I read do it that in one point, sitting? Though? I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I've seen the movie enough. I think it. I get it. It's a good book. But I, th- I, th- I thought that was an apt um, comparison because that m- book but I've only seen the movie is like, it's kind of just like going from like city to city, getting in like with these like interesting people. And then, but it's also ultimately fleeting, you know? And I thought that's like the way he kind of constructs these stories and they ultimately kind of fall in on themselves. I don't know. I thought that was cool and reminiscent of kind of things I like in terms of storytelling and stuff. Um, But then it it also becomes a crutch, you know, like it also becomes, yeah. Like, a bit repetitive and but i do like the music i think the playing is really cool i mean i think you have to kind of play it straightforward and economic and be just set down a nice bedrock of basicness because yeah he wants to be the the bard you know he wants to be the ultimate voice of it and you can't have music that's too showy but when they do kind of have those like flourishes when they go into those like guitar harmonies or those piano breaks and stuff i think that's in service to the the world he's trying to depict and that's you know like the midwest and and things like that and like the 80s and things so it like i think it, it helps tell that whole story um the music's like a nice like you know companion to that ultimately though is it it's even though it has that sense of fun in place um which you know helps to drive home the concept of the album i don't think it touches on anything that interesting ultimately you know it's a little too kind of basic and um yeah i don't know 
but it's fun. You know, a lot of stuff does rip and, um, yeah. And I think that's probably what resonated with this band when I first heard them was just like the kind of just going for it and kind of making cliched rock songs. But like I said, kind of like being up all night doing drugs or being involved in a punk scene, it's ultimately kind of hollow and you got to kind of, I don't know. It doesn't stick with you for much longer, uh, much beyond that. Yeah. Those kind of just like really visceral Maybe experiences. It, Caleb. Maybe it hit too close to home for us as Catholic kids who grew up in like a small town where you could, you know, have some fun, but it ultimately it was kind of mundane. Yeah, totally. I dude, I a, was even thinking about a that. And I've talked rocker, about people so too. kind of like this this is not that interesting for us. Yeah. We well, lived I, to hear this guy talk about it. Totally. And I've talked to people about that. I was like, just as a bit, like, wouldn't it be funny if we did like a Bruce Springsteen or drive by truckers version of growing up in Santa Maria. <laughs> and then it was just like, but like, it'd be like this. We like, didn't grow up near Mississippi. We River didn't grow up like near Santa the Mississippi Maria, right? river. We were up by one freeway. You know, there's like a lot of these things. Like, it's like, Oh, it's the one on one with Mississippi river. Yeah. <laughs> but I think a lot of these like sense of place, like storyteller, singers that are always like talking about all these different freeways and all these different little towns and shit and it's like the reservoir for what just to draw from growing up in santa maria is like i don't know it would be i think it would wear off i think it'd be very boring very quickly but yeah well, it totally in this podcast right right <laughs> we're trying to put santa maria on the map yeah but um i do like the religious parts of it you know is like is interesting to kind of hear all that and then i and then i got to thinking i was like i wonder if the ultimate allegory is I can't remember how many stations of the cross there are, but is that like an allegory for like 15. 12 steps? At, uh, there's, see, there's 15, 12 steps, 11 15. songs. It doesn't quite add up, but it's kind of like how you like your penance and all the different, you know, stages you go through to get clean and to like come out, you know, the other side more whole can somewhat match like, you know, the story of the crucifixion and shit. So I don't know. I, I think that, that that was a little bit more heady than i expected um got me thinking but yeah the i mean he's a good lyricist oh, 14, i mean 14 yeah i mean the the language is really dressed up and you know symbolic but it's you know he doesn't use big words and so kind of still has an honest and kind of lived in kind of blue collar poetic vibe to it which i think is kind of like who his influences are and probably what he's going for so i mean good on it but yeah, like I said, I don't know, maybe beyond getting together with the boys at some point and drinking a bunch of beers and putting on a couple of these songs to like remember the good times. But yeah, so I don't know. Like I said, I'm torn with this album. Neither in or out. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of mixed feelings. He wore, on this one. His, he wore his influences on his sleeves right next to his heart. The doctor said, you got a influence in heart sleeve disease. <laughs> uh, cut that out. Getting abstract here. Yeah, that stays in. <laughs> that stays in. All right. Well, let's uh, we go, should go into it. Let's fucking go into it, dude. Let's just drive that van. Oh, I will All say, right. though, the Twin City... It sounded like a pretty cool place in the 90s like i liked hearing about all of that like the cast of characters and all like the druggy shit but then also like yeah just like the boredom and all the like those different cliches about 
uh, often that stuff doesn't have a lot of luster, you know. Um, I thought he was like pretty honest about that. You know, it's not glorifying drug culture or any of that shit. But I don't know. It sounded cool, like hanging out in those parks and by the river and all the different venues and parts of town they talk about. That sounds like it's a very robust picture that he painted. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Well. Right on. So yeah, what's um? I mean, I can just go straight into a slapper, you know. Um, take it away yeah basically what i was just kind of rambling about in a in a, in a finnish style um, was i think the song that embodies that is stevie nicks i have that as my slapper mm-hmm. i think it's like it's a good mix of kind of more progressive playing you know there's a lot a bit more parts to it it has like a cool stop start kind of groovy riff um it kind of reminds me of aforementioned the jesus lizard but it's like a boogie woogie bar band jesus lizard uh, <laughs> both like that kind of like sing-songy micro uh, megaphone kind of s- delivery you know i don't know i mean i'm just grasping yeah. the straws there but um but then yeah it has this cool like classic rock trappings like that has a, like that thin lizzie kind of dual harmonics like outro is pretty rad um, the most springsteen-esque yeah also i want to say speaking of thin lizzie thin lizzie was like the other band people were discovering at this part at this point and like you're making yeah. a go at you know it's like oh how can i make an excuse to throw in a th- thin lizzie part you know yeah i think people are trying to bring back the rock can't blame them for that but um yeah i think like the that kind of layla part at the end towards like that bridge you know the middle that piano is really dope kind of makes the song a little bit more spacious and a little more contemplative and yeah. um i like the lyrics the the where he switches between to be 17 forever and to be 33 forever and then at one point he doesn't can't decide what he wants to say and i think he just goes with like 33 but um i don't know i was thinking about it you know because you know 34 um it's like 17 and 34 kind of the same age you know it's just like it feels interminable you know it's like (laughs) oh this is the rest of my life and like when you're 17 it's like i gotta get a job you had to deal with all that monotony uh but you feel like you know a youthful drive but it's still a lot of bullshit to wade through and then when you're 33 you're kind of on the back end of that youthfulness and it's kind of the last year your 20s and everything's just kind of shaping up to be more drier and more responsibility driven and stuff so it's like it's kind of the last little you know stand that you have and it's Something. like a biblical yeah it's like the biblical the jesus like year jesus yeah 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 i don't know he, he also like references the uh the rod stewart stomach pump and oh, yeah. also one of my favorite references that he does he references profane existence which is like a, a yeah. mini like a minneapolis like cross punk label like not even one of the big it wasn't like touch and go or sst it was like very much like that crusty kind of shit um that came out of minneapolis's huge four um so that was just weird to hear because you know it's not your standard punk label you know it's definitely a lot more niche and specific so yeah yeah i think it's a cool song and it has a, has a lot going on in it but it's more measured than a lot of the other songs on this and I like where it's placed too. I think all, you know, a good hallmark of a slapper is how it's sequenced within the album. And it kind of just hits kind of the middle of the end, you know, kind of starts the end of the album in a way. Yeah. It uh, actually leads off the second, um, the second side 
because yeah. I, I guess they would do a when they're recording or putting together their records sequencing they they actually made sure that uh, it broke down properly on an lp so that's what they were thinking about is like what song fits for that first song of the second half what song can close out the you know side side a or whatever so it was very much something that they thought about yeah let's give her a listen all right i'll start from the beginning just yeah totally. the, the ripper yep uh is killer um and then we can we can get into some of the other stuff the piano part and whatnot um but here is stevie nicks Nice. He sounds pretty sweaty right there. I'll I'll have to say. Yeah, there dude. he is. <laughs> yeah, that's when he gets like right up on you in the crowd, and he's like drenched his Oxford shirt. <laughs> so yeah, his that glasses are all foggy. <laughs> My glasses got foggy. Also, come to think of it, is Craig one of those names that we'll never see again? It's like the last of it. Like, <laughs> the last of the Craigs. <laughs> get the last of the Craigs. <laughs> I think there's gonna be a lot of new yeah. Craigs in the world. Post post Friday, Craig is like a right <laughs> hard name to have. That's true. But let's get to a little bit of this piano section because the first half is basically that riff, and it gets um, expanded upon. But then it, it switches over into like you you name checked Layla. It, that's a very that's a nice reference. I think it's kind of fits in the same way that the piano break fits there. Um, but here is yeah. that. Let the song play. I'm gonna go pee real quick. Thank you for sharing. Very confessional. Some low key, um, what's his face? The 80s dude. Steve Winwood? No, the other one. <laughs> Damn it. Bony Air always references. Oh, Bruce Horns. Don Henley. Don Henley. Oh, yeah. Bruce Hornsby in the range. Yeah. So that had some Bruce yeah. Hornsby vibes to me with that piano line. But uh totally. We'll get let's get to the the one last bit here, just really quickly with the um the thin Lizzy guitar stuff. Cause it's totally. just it it's just like I don't know. For me, it's like catnip. I just I always love it when it's done well when it's done well. Um, totally, yeah. But here is the a little bit of that. Yeah, I also really like how the piano interacts there. Like it's kind of a call and response to the guitar and the piano. Yeah, totally. It's pretty dope. You know what? I, you know what I realized too. He mentions like finding uh, bodies in like a garbage dump, and then it goes into <laughs> that Layla part. You think oh, that's a Goodfellas reference. Huh. Oh yeah, Shit. stomach pumps and garbage dumps. <laughs> 
It should have been the name of the album. That, that was song the reminds title. me of reminds me of a Rosalita. That song. Yeah, a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, it has a bunch that, of parts, and he does like a big talk singing, and there's a piano crescendo. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Nice, nice. Keys jangling in the stalls. I like that too. <laughs> that's evocative. <laughs> oh boy, we've all been there. Noah, do you have a slapper for us? Yes, I have. Um, I think it's. Wait, what was it that I said was a slapper? Uh, don't let me explode. Nice, um, yeah. I think you had it as well, Adrian. I had it in my honorable and, mentions. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, men's. I feel like it's a very. This album needs some more of like the ballads where they change pace a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think this song shows that the guy can kind of hold a note where he's not just a gimmicky kind of rapper dude on like like an <laughs> indie rock rapper. He can he shows that he actually has some kind of tenderness to his voice. It's less abrasive. Mm. I kind of wish there were songs like this. Yeah, totally. I think doing right, all the yeah. storytelling and the sing talk, he kind of has a an icy remove. From you it know, it's a little old. It gets yeah, that gets play. yeah, that gets a little cynical. You know, it's like you want something that's a little mm. more emotive. Yeah. Well, just um, to break up the songs too, I think that the first side A could have used one of these because I don't think there is one uh, to my memory. Yeah. There's not. It's kind of like when you listen driving. to when you listen to a rap album. No matter how much you love the rapper, you always want to to have a feature because it's like, yeah. come on, dude, pass the mic. Yeah. And I think this is his version of passing the mic. It's still him, but it's like he kind of relaxed a little bit on like, here's every word I have to fucking say. Remember when all those uh, dudes were like, J. Cole released an album. He didn't have a single feature on it. Like that was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dumbest, um, like uh, positive thing to say. The guy's trash. Totally. Um, but this song also actually also has that kind of hallelujah refrain where they're referencing the uh, Leonard Cohen song. But yeah, I don't know, Adrian, you had it as honor, but much, what do you think? Just play it from the top or. Yeah, I think playing it from the top um, and then maybe we can get a feel for some of the, the guitar stuff that comes in a little bit later where they start rocking a little bit more. Guitar, um, stuff. But I, <laughs> guitar stuff. But I, I think, uh, you know, I agree with you that, that the album could use a lot more of this or maybe not a lot more, but at least one more song like this would have helped break things up a little bit. And you're right. This, this one does kind of showcase that he's not just doing, he's not just, you know, the speak sing thing. Like he can, he can actually belt it out when he wants to. Um, But here is a little of don't let me explode track eight. Father, son, and yeah, the we Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Be best. Go hang in the upper yeah, I mean, that's so. It has to be a. I mean, there's no way that's not a reference, right? Like, that's 
pretty fucking obvious and yeah. but yeah. it works it really works because it does fit the vibe of the song here is a little bit of the kind of middle section here i i kind of call it the rock out section um it's where kind of the full band comes in uh here's a little bit of that I think that this one also shows what's off that, that like voice. What's that? That's that Jesus Jesus lizard voice, Caleb. You're talking yeah, about. Oh yeah, yeah, baby. Exactly. But I think like this song, it, it shows off that like the dynamics. Like even though they don't have verse, chorus, verse setups, these songs do move through different little like sections and stuff. And you know, this one they build to that crescendo that we just played, and it it's really satisfying. Um, and then it goes into kind of a weird part at the end, but not weird, but he, he did, there's some vocal effects and stuff going on, but I think that it just, yeah, it's just a great, a great song. It breaks up the re- the back half of the record really nicely. And it leads into kind of the more, you know, uh, rock and three, the last half uh, of the record there. Yeah. But it's weird because their song, that song eight and then song 10 Fiction Cruise is also a short little, little interstitial organ yeah. him turn. Yeah. And I think they should have had more, they should have had more of that to other slap crucifixion cruise. I like the back half of this album. Six through a I think is like its own little good EP. And five through one, you can have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually that's a good segue into my slapper which is the last song. Um, I think on the last last week's episode, we talked or I talked about how uh, I really like it when a band ends on a bang. And like, it's, it. this is a really great song to end this record. It kind of, I mean, not only is it, you know, bringing things full circle, literally to the story with kind of the resurrection angle, but it also kind of sums up everything sonically in a way. Like it takes everything that's worked before on all these songs and kind of puts them into one song because it has like, you know, different parts. It has a little instrumental break. There's, you know, horns come in. There's some, uh, I think there's some vocal harmonies maybe on this one with, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind uh, of a throwback to Stevie Nicks. They're almost like the same length. Yeah. And they kind of, yeah. How they're, um, you know, organized as songs too. Yeah. Similar. Oh, that's interesting because then that's like, kind like of bookends for that. Oh yeah, but that's interesting that you say that, Caleb, because then that's kind of the bookends for side B with these two five and a half minute yeah, songs. Six through eleven. That's all we need. That's all we need. <laughs> um, yeah, it's but, like one less story about doing crank with skaters and you know trim some yeah, fat here, yeah, buddy. Just story. <laughs> uh, but anyways, here's how a resurrection feels uh, from the top. Hallelujah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, pants. I just think that's. <laughs> I think he pooped his pants. <laughs> uh, all the baby voice. from from the baby laxatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taco um, voice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I just think that's a really killer riff, and it's just yeah, it's really um, it it really kicks off this song and kicks off the lat the the you know this last bit here really nicely um here is kind of the instrumental break in the middle stuff um horns almost always get me but they're really used tastefully on this record it could have easily gone over the top of that but they really only use it it's very sparingly and when they do it's just kind of a color texture thing versus like making it really uh yeah dynamic part of the song in in like a, a more obvious way and when you played in instrumentals like you realize how good the band is but he's kind of suffocates the band with just his relentless lyrics and hooks yeah. and verses. Like he doesn't give a lot of room to breathe. Like, yeah, the band the kind of has breathe. to take. Yeah, kind of has to take over at some points. You know, you can kind of hear like somebody mentioned push and pull earlier. Yeah, where they kind of step forward a little bit when they feel like he's getting a little too tiresome. Yeah, but I mean, they're you know. I think that they pick their moments. There's, there's definitely a good, you know, little guitar solos come in or little bits of the piano or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, there, there'll be like a nice little bass drum section, but yeah, I think it is kind of, sometimes it can be hard to penetrate through, through the lyrics and through the, the you know, Finn's kind of whole deal, but well, yeah, no, it's easy. You just go to penetration park and then <laughs> you're good to go. Boy. Um, but yeah, you know, I think uh, I think that that sh- a lot of this shows off what you know, just how great the band is and how dynamic they are, and and you know how, yeah, they're taking all of this these tropes and things, but they definitely make them their own, and you know they're doing yeah. the very best version of it. The band was dynamic. The singer was <laughs> pedantic. <laughs> oh, it was all so tragic. It's the whole steady band. How does he have? I'm sure if you listen to all the whole the album, he has a song where he references the whole steady, like outside of himself. Oh, it's like that part in the movie where they say the name of the movie where he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, he's like they're all going to the whole steady show where he deadpools. I don't think anybody really knows. (laughs) He deadpools it. Is it the is this Deadpool Dadra? <laughs> it's oh, a dad God. movie for sure. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, that guy, yeah, he's crazy. He's funny. I like that guy. <laughs> I don't have to think about it too much. All right. What's so next? should we move into this wax or yeah, else have any other slaps? No, I mean all these it's songs cute. are kind of of a piece. So I think I don't need to pull out any more slappers personally. I think like Stevie Nicks kind of sums it all up. Yeah, they all sum it up. You heard one. You heard them they all. all. Sum, they all <laughs> sum it up. You heard one old steady song. You heard them all. 
She summed right, it up well, like a mathematician. Who's got a wacky? I'm gonna save my whack for for well, the end. Adrian, Adrian, I got a e because I believe you love song, cattle and the creeping things. Yes. Did you mention that already? I have not oh, mentioned okay. it. I thought that song's kind of. Oh, okay. I, it has kind of like a London Calling riff, which I kind of like. Oh yeah. But the first three songs on this album, I'm just like, like dude, like I just it like really got to me where I was like, it was so hard to get through these first three songs. Coming on too reason. strong. <laughs> He's coming on too strong. He's like cornered so you at a you party and he's just telling you all these stories. And you're like, dude, I gotta fuck. I need to breathe, dude. You need to give me some breathing room here. Yeah. But yeah, cattle and the creeping things. It's felt it's just it's just relentless uh Finn, relentless Craig. And uh it, it's a Finnish invasion. It, like wore me out before the album even started. <laughs> all right. Well, I had that as a highlight. So I I mean I feel completely the opposite to you. I think for me the reason I have it on here and uh, is because it's the one of the few songs in this first half that actually sounds different from the other ones like Banging Camp, Charlemagne's Wet Pants, even your little hood rat friend. They all kind of have a similar vibe and this one just stood out because it was different and maybe also the horns played a little bit into me liking it so much too. But yeah, you know, I can see why these first three songs, you know, turned you off to it because, yeah, it does come on very strong. It does come on very much like this is it. This is what it is. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but here yeah, is a uh, strap yourself in. <laughs> yeah. But here is Don't a drown bit... in the Mississippi River. <laughs> here is a little bit of cattle and the creeping things from the top. I got to the part where the cattle and the creeping things. I was there too. St. Paul calling. I've heard this one before. I've done it all end up in some revelation. With four guys and horses and violent red visions. Famine and death and pestilence and war. And then I do want to play just a little bit of this organ i call it this it's kind of a spooky organ kind of a halloween Ooh, organ nice, almost yeah. halloween um, sounds. it's kind of at the end there's here. the star of this album when are we going to review one of those classic halloween sounds album? <laughs> uh maybe we can do that for our uh, one of our throwbacks halloween episode all hollows all hollows here is okay so here's a little bit of that spooky organ All right, so maybe the organ was kind of hard to hear there, but uh, I heard it. But that guitar solo is also very kick-ass, and and yeah, so Mackenzie Phillips, I've heard anymore. <laughs> okay, did she ever? Take your okay, word you know it, what? Stop bud. picking on Mackenzie Phillips. She was an incest victim. That's like horrible. Like, yeah, come on, lay off, bud. All right, She's also well, a good actor. Yeah. We all have hard times, Craig Finn. 
<laughs> um, all right, Caleb, you have a whack? Or you wanted to save it to the end, right? Yeah, I'll save my whack to the end. Final whack, baby. All right. Well, I don't have a whack Adrian. per se. I don't have a whack per se, but I have one that I'll call a neither because I think it falls into like both categories. Like it's 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 not good, but it's also <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> um, which is your little hood rat friend. Um, Perfect. Yeah, the hit. Their hit. Yeah, it is the one song, the only song that's cracked a million uh, listens on the this playlist um, or this on the, the album. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's very catchy and I really like the music. But then like the lyrics are just, oh, boy, maybe the epitome of like him, his obnoxious kind of thing. I don't know. You you guys, have, I'm sure, have opinions on this what what do you think i don't i don't think he like hood rat does not mean what you think it means my friend like it's like <laughs> why he uses the word hood rats so maybe no hold up do me a favor hold off on that point for a little bit okay yeah but um this song also adrian reminded me of that john mullen song rockabye or lullaby They're like rockabye that's also like a talk singy song. That is a, like that is a classic. Yeah. yeah. She grew up in the Hollywood Hills. The distance between that Jack kind of that kind of shit and this is, is pretty short, actually. And that, that song's good because it's so stupid. I kind of <laughs> love that Sean Mullins lullaby song. Rockabye. <laughs> she grew up in the mansions with Dwayne Allman and Cher and Jack Nicholson. And... <laughs> The monkeys. She got her first line Rock-a-bye. of coke from Robert Evans. Rockabye. <laughs> um, but I will he say that your little your, your little hood rat friend also has the penetration park lyric. So what that's a cool. Creep. <laughs> uh, should we just hear a little bit of this and then let let you get into it, Caleb? For sure. All right. He says probed on this song as well. He's like, I've been probed. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well let's just get to the let's just get right let's to the penetration. life let's get right to the pen the full pen here Sorry, that's a bad term <laughs> yeah so here's your little hood rat Hold friend that thought Boy, I've been probed. Yeah. Hood rat. I yeah. mean, so you gotta address that. What? Well, perfect segue because my whack this week is not a song. It is a lyrical motif that occurs on this album about 10 times too many. And that is the use of the word hood rat. <laughs> that is the ultimate sin and whackness of this album. I think urban dictionary defines hood rat as. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, no, I think what happened was in 2005. So the song's probably, let's say it was written in 2004. We, yeah. As a culture, baller blocking. as a culture, we got way too 
as a white culture, as a we got way too comfortable with AAVE, African American Vernacular English, between like you know the mainstreaming of like Snoop Dogg talk of saying for shizzle and the Chappelle show and things like that we've missed the point and then certain terms that aren't our terms or that are very pejorative and have really negative racially tinged context just kind of became a part of you know mainstream talking yeah. <laughs> and I think this uh, is taking that too true. far and um it's just a really bad sound um, for like a middle-aged white dude uh, from the Midwest that consistently say hood rat. When that was like a term that was lobbed at, you know, poor, mostly black women. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, it just reeks of insensitivity and appropriate, you know, at worst it's insensitive. If you're given the benefit of the doubt, you're still appropriating it. And then maybe if it's like, oh, I didn't really know what it meant. It, it, at, at the very least, it's classist because he's like, oh, I'm not, you know, it's the, it, that's your logical step that you think I'm talking about, you know, an African-American woman or a, per, a woman of color. But at the very least, he's just, people, you know, you're talking shit about somebody who lives in the hood and it's like, I don't know, having to deal with that. Well, he's and cashing he's in on the fact that he, well, he's he cashing in on the fact that he's like so a he feels like, yeah. Well, no, it's that he's a knowing kind of lyricist guy. Where in interviews he talks about how he's influenced influenced as much by Bruce Springsteen as I am Jay Z. So he, he's kind of false flagging where it's like, yeah, I'm uh, atmosphere. Oh no, I was me. I was gonna get like, to that. He has complete and, trash taste in hip hop. The people he references, yeah. atmosphere. But Sage I mean, Francis, but the hood rat Rock. thing. Oh, what do all those guys have in common? What are the, <laughs> Interesting. But the hood rat I... thing, the the hood rat thing comes. I mean, the the main thing that I think of is the baller blocking on the uh, juvenile big timers, little Wayne track, the project B word, project bitch. And I think he's totally, he's totally like, yeah, I'm down with that song. That song's a good song, but I'm kind of intellectualizing it. And now yeah. I can use that term hood rat. It's a reference that people will get, but it's like, no, you don't get to reference everything that. No, it's not, it's not for you, there. dude. It's not yeah. for you. It's not for you. And it's not even for you to really comment on. Cause you're not doing it in a meaningful way. You know, if it was like a lyric where he called somebody out for saying hood rat, or he was mistakenly used it, or, you know, he's had some sort of sense. It, he just has no sense of shame or like self-criticism about using it. And I think that is the problem of it. And I'm not a big culture war guy. I mean, people are going to say what they're going to say and, you know, you know, freely express yourselves, but also like you pull shit like this. It, it's, it's in bad taste. But he says it like know? 12 times. Yeah. Like, That's what I mean. That's why it's the whack. Of if he album. just, yeah. if it was just once and like one lyric, I think it would be gaff, fine. Yeah. You can kind of be like, Oh, okay. That's, weird but yeah sure because he was like i want to say this instead of trailer park trash or white trash right. you know it's like well, it is in never, the place of white would, trash. He just puts it too, he hits it way too hard yeah you would <laughs> like, never say like welfare queen or something like that right but that, that was would, like, like in 2005 like welfare queen is an outmoded term hood rat was like the version of saying. that yeah right. so he, he like, would know enough 
he would he would say, well, I can't say welfare queen. That's a right wing term. But I can say hood because I'm a white guy that listens to cool hip hop. Right. And people will know that it's right. a winking kind of reference. Or the other thing of it is like this album's about like, you know, a young person kind of in a drug scene and maybe in the lower socioeconomic echelons of the Twin Cities. So it's like, oh, he's like, no, I slummed it for a little bit. I was a hood rat myself. That's what, <laughs> that's what people were. But it's like. You still need to have some awareness like, yeah. about it. Or I, you could go, you could go like Charles Dickens, just say street urchin or something like go further in the past. Like, yeah. I don't know. You I could think, say yeah, I think he was trying to else. be way too modern um, and postmodern and just like irreverent. And it just comes off. I don't know. It was really, it was really classless. I don't know. Yeah. Bad, bad move. And it, and it, it's like, he it took me out of it every time I heard it. It was like the R word last week, where I'm just like, "Whoa, dude!" Right. Like I get it. Like know, there's a way to a tastefully row. talk about these things, and there's usually and there's a way to tastefully use like really difficult words and things. But it's, this ain't it, dude. Yeah, yeah. So hashtag right. don't hold steady. Hashtag cancel Finn. Hashtag finish invasion. Hashtag. Yes, hashtag cancel Finn. <laughs> All right. Well, Craig. Should we get into the into Twitter? I became a hashtag just because I used to say the word hood rat. Yeah, this guy's going to be like ne standing next to Ariel Pink. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like talking about the woke mob. <laughs> All right, let's get to the ratings. Come on, let's Wait, go. <laughs> indulge me here. I wonder what Craig Finn has to say oh. on Twitter. Wait, no. are you going to look up what he says on Twitter? Yeah, I'm going to see what his last tweet was. Ah, this is boring shit. It's probably like not to the show. Yeah, yeah it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking about his album. No, Adrian, can, I, can you indulge me? Can you indulge me real quick? Oh, yes. If okay. you can look up, you have a spot handy. I would like you to look up Bruce Springs, the first song on his first album, Greetings from Ashbury Park. Uh, blinded by the light, because I think the whole word saladness of Springsteen is totally what Craig Finn took and kind of punk punk rockified it. But uh, no, um, is it a conflict? Why were if we play Bruce Springsteen song, we're playing a direct competitor of us because he's also a world renowned podcaster. <laughs> so I don't really want to give him a platform on oh, our podcast. We're just trying to get by. Started. I think they have like a movie coming out too. Jesus. Is it going to be what is going on with that? They're renegades. Uh, are they knows, trying but... to just they're like collectively we could become billionaires. Is that the plan? Like it's like a no, it's just it's a complete conglomerate. No, it's it's boomer shit. It's like yeah. completely blinded by their own self sense of self-satisfaction. And like, yeah, yeah it, it's it's just I was it's a generational to Barry thing. And Bruce, <laughs> I was jogging. Yeah, I'm a liberal. Yeah, I'm comfortable. I like that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm comfortable. All right. Here is here is... I'm a liberal by my Spotify history. <laughs> it was here... Barry and Bruce. Here is Bruce's version oh, Adrian, of Find It by the Light. Play, play like the. 50 minute or 50 second mark if you could sorry 
because it's just this Sorry. word salad. Yeah, where it's like do do bo bo with the doba doba dobo. It's like it's just like nonsense words. Rapid. Speaking in tongues, dude. Test the flood. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was dog poop. It was Scooby the Poop. Scooby the Poop. The Doop Doop. It's like Kanye. But I think the hold steady is like following that tradition of like word salad, like white guys just like stringing along words together. Just like whatever. It reminds me of this Iggy Azalea video I watched today where she's like just all marble mouth and not making any sense. Same vibe. I got. At one point, he says, like, he says, like, go kart Mozart, something, something. (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. That song's crazy. Did he invent slam poetry, actually? Yeah, I think he did. (laughs) All right. Well, my fellow boomers, what are what are you guys rating this album? Man, I struggled. I went back and forth. I was like real low. The first couple of listens and I struggled to rate it at first. I hate it. And then I <laughs> got to thinking. Give it a try. You know, but not, it's middle of the road rock, which I think they set out to do. So I give it a 7.5. That's a very, that's a, that's a brave rating. Yeah, I um grading was degrading, but the cheese was a grading, and I thought that they would make a taco. Mozzarella <laughs> Mozart riding on my go kart. <laughs> uh, Kale, go ahead. Say, say, say. Oh, no, uh, yeah. I mean, I already, I you know, it's so funny. Is I usually rate like on the spot. This one, I like. I listened to the album earlier today, and I was working out, and then I was like, as soon as I was driving home, I was like. Oh yeah, I have my rating. It, it was just like, you know, clear as day what this album should be rated. And that for me, that's a seven point eight. Whoa, hmm. wow, seems high. You know, it, it grew on me, and it's like a you know, I'm a sentimental rocker, Heartland guy. So like, you know, if I'm, yeah, you know, they're they're like of a piece with a lot of bands I like, I'm deeply into. So yeah, I, I, you know, show some respect. Seven point eight. Nice. Huh. Wow. So another well, condone this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. As the as the I wouldn't be the true believer true if I didn't believe if I didn't break the 8.0 barrier. So Whoa. I don't think I don't think it's an 8.7. That's that's way too high. Way um, high. but I think it's solidly in the 8.2 realm. I think it's a great record. It's not their best record for me personally. I think some people would probably consider it their best. Uh, maybe even most people, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a great record. I think it's very solid, but it's not reaching the upper echelons of anything above like an 8.5. Yeah, so. Adrian, you yeah. said this one got 8.7. Yeah. What did Boys and Girls in America get? Did that crack? It got nine? really I, high. No, it was I like I think 9. it got 4. a nine. Oh, it, it maybe even higher. Yeah, but yeah. I've in my memory it got like a nine. But let's take a look here. Oh, you know yeah, what? Caleb let's, on the money. 
Well, I looked it up earlier. Let's scrap 9. this episode 4. and just do that one right right after. You guys <laughs> no, got to do a little no, two for one. No, but I think Adrian. I think Adrian's right. I think anybody revisiting this band will. Probably yeah, they're gonna go this go one for this album. There's some yeah. gimmicky stuff on um, Boys and Girls in America, like the Dave Perner feature and shit. It's like eh. it's counting well, crows. It's, it's crows. also yeah. It's more refined. It's more. It's just like a more distilled, refined version of this. Like this, or yeah. this still has a little bit of wildness and looseness to it's it. A little, a little bit, totally, or a little bit of rawness, maybe. Um, yeah. Whereas that one's kind of a little bit more polished. But totally. yeah, yeah. Well, I also think it's great that you know you did your whole true believer thing for like a religiously tinged album. <laughs> you know, it comes it comes full circle, and that's always the good hallmark of a of a good you know narrative arc. So great we we did it so that gives and us also an with of a, you oh <laughs> Armin. and i'm gonna we give it a 7.8 that's what it came that's what it comes out to that's what it shakes out to doing my catholic math <laughs> catholic math records dude that'd be cool great well you know but now we have a, we have a different scale by which we really measure this and i think this album works perfectly with life's been good to me scale because you know that is just some greasy dad rock compared to some greasy dad rocks i mean i think they're of the same universe in a lot of ways i I, yeah i think i don't know i think that life's been good's a little too laid back almost like Uh, okay well it's a little low low octane for this that's the other side of the coin though with the dad rock and heartland stuff there's always like the little the laid back parts and there's always the ballads and stuff it's like a multi-faceted genre you know it's not just like the barn burners you know that's true at least i look at it but yeah i know what you mean compared song to song definitely yeah one they're two different vibes but i think i always think they're more of just like a cultural piece well, yeah, maybe we throw then since there's not like a slower song or a ballad in the, you know, maybe this one can be the mid-tempo rocker for that first half, uh, you know? Yeah, just slip it totally. In there. Maybe that's what breaks up songs one and two or two and three. And also, I, why no um, Joe Walsh reference on this album? He threw every other thing in the kitchen sink <laughs> out. Can I give Joe Walsh some love? Can I give that's James some love? That's true. As fellow greasy yeah. rockers. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I'm. You could rhyme like James Gang with Gang Bang Penetration <laughs> Park. It writes itself. Come on, uh, Joe Walsh. I bet Joe Walsh has some good times in the Twin Cities. I bet Joe Walsh has some good times in bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that right. schnoz, dude. <laughs> well, here, let's get to it. Here is life's been good from the one and only. Joseph Walsh. She said, I always remember. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, I want to invite my friend. I want to invite my good friend Craig Finn to the stage to help me out here, man. <laughs> I was friends with Joe Walsh. Oh, Midwestern he boys. He was a good Catholic. Uh, Joe Fiddler Walsh. Um, 
All right. What happened to this Greg band? Finn. They made a bunch of basic albums and then they ended up covering a Game of Thrones yeah, song they got that and, Game an of ultimate Thrones dad band. move. I think that's they like released the dad move. A they single. released a record this year. And Craig Finn released a solo record this year. Was that this year or was that last year? I was trying yeah, to remember I think that. I think it was this year. Uh, so I Craig's don't know why busy. Craig Finn needs to. He just he's got so many lyrics. He just got to get it out there, or what? Like <laughs> he could probably re- he could probably repeat lyrics shit? and nobody would notice. I will say that nobody the... at this point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did. At like this, this point, I'm re- lyrics. I'm basically a broken record. <laughs> I did like. Not this. I didn't really listen to this newest one, but the one before the like the second to last one was really pretty good and kind of was more in the classic kind of vein of like this album and the other album. From what I remember, I haven't listened to it in a couple of years, but I I remember really you texted liking it. us. You texted us when their last album came out, and you're like, "This is good." Was it called like OPP or something? <laughs> open I don't door. Remember. It was open door policy. Open door policy, ODP. yeah. ODP. Yeah, well, that that I have the receipts. Is that is that what like the you policy? Like, this is, is that good. is that what he talks about his lyrics? Any like thing he's like, I got an open door policy with my own ideas. You know, I'm just gonna <laughs> put it all out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, like I liked it. I liked it, but I I liked the one before a lot more. But anyways, just just to say that they yeah they're still kicking, they're still going. I think Doing most the dad of the. Thing. Most of the same people on this band. Yeah, they actually became dads around the time of Separation Sunday, from what I understand. So it's yeah. all right in line. You go see them live. Were you saying though, Adrian, they, were... they got more into the weed and less into the the cheap American beers? You know, the speed, <laughs> kind of their vibe now. Kind of, I don't know. I think I think they still they're still beer swilling, but yeah, it's just maybe craft beers now and only a yeah. couple. Yeah, some different IPA vibes. Right on. We're still beer swilling. The only difference is when we play Portland, Oregon, we're top billing. <laughs> All right. Skip All right. it. <laughs> Skip it. <laughs> All right. No, no editing. Um, All right. What's the game, Noah? I got a game. Before called, we finish this episode. It's what? Uh, it's called Did He Sing It? Where I'll give you real mm. Craig Finn lyrics. From the hold steady, and then I'll give you fake ones that I made up, and you tell me are they real or are they fake? All right. Okay. Here we go. She only pays attention to the prices of cigarettes. She says she hopes they get cheaper. She only takes the pick me uppers to counteract all the put me to sleepers. Real or fake? <laughs> oh boy that's tougher than I thought it channels Finn but just there's something a little too yeah I've been setting this game up all the <laughs> playing the long game the, the whole time sem- the symmetry of it is a little bit too on the nose you know, so I'm thinking that's I'm thinking that's you not Finn yeah I'm Ooh. gonna agree I'm gonna agree on that that's real that's from the song oh. sketchy, sketchy metal I believe it's on their first album. I know a thing or two about sketchy metal. All right, here we go. For Boston, Shamrock Shakes and Oxycontin. Bob Cousy, when they say they're looking around for the OC, they ain't talking about the TV. That's you, I think. 
Shoot, these guys would never touch Boston. They know better than that. That is them. Jesus. What? It's oh, a song no. called For Boston. God. Like the Dropkick Murphy song? Yeah, it's weird. So I looked <laughs> up all these like lyrics. They have all these, like every, when you look up their lyrics, they have all these. Uh, City songs? Well, they have these extended Australian only singles that are on the album. And that was one of them. They must be huge in Australia or something. Well, I think one, well, I think the thing with that, I think the well, thing with that is like, you'll see that or Japan is another one. I think it's just that yeah. in those areas, because they get things later and because they don't, you know, things sometimes they'll add bonus yeah, tracks sweet, or man. bonus live DVD or something like that. That happens a lot. And I've noticed that with Australia oh, okay. and, and Japan. Does, sure. um, does a record in Australia spin the other way? Yeah. Is that why they have to have their own versions of these? Yeah, they have to have special machines to play American music. That's crazy. That's why they haven't had too many good rock ever come out of Australia. What are you talking about, dude? I said it. Okay. Tame Impala? uh, Iggy Azalea? Shots fired at, uh, what's the Tame Impala dude's name? Whatever. I don't care. He stinks. Yeah, dude. I liked it the first time. (laughs) It was called Mark (laughs) Bowen. Here we go. Hang five on the A side of to you. She was covered in tattoos and said, let me tattoo you. Hang five on the A side of tattoo you. In tattoos and said, let me tattoo you. It's worked so far. So I'm going to say it's you. I'm going to say that's Finn because um, I'll believe anything now. <laughs> that was me. Ceases to amaze me. That was me. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, here we go. They queued up for tickets to see the performance. They pushed to get closer, looking upwards with wonder. We are the actors. The cameras are rolling. I'll be Zara. You'll be Jenna Rollins. Boy. <laughs> Is that a Cassavetes? <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think that's you. <laughs> Just judging by the references. I think that's you because but... you reference a lot of movies in your fake lyrics. I guess they're real <laughs> lyrics, but you're, I don't know, that's, lyrics that don't have homes yet. That's that's Finn. What? Finn. It's called Slapped Actress. Actually, so, so I went and listened to the song. He fucks up. He says Gina Rollins. It's Jenna Rollins. Get a, Not a true cinephile. And get a Cassavetes reference. He's a Cassadummy, dude. Yeah. Then isn't it? Here we go. Is it Cassavetes or I've heard Cassavetes as well. Maybe we're wrong about. Yeah, maybe. But it's Anyways. definitely Jenna. Well, if he has a problem, he Rollins. can correct us. It's not Gina Rollins. It's Jenna Rollins. Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. She always made it with here. them jerks. <laughs> she always made it with them jerks. Assholes in white belts, looking like young Clem Burks. And yeah, I should have called ahead. I came into the back room. You were curled up with an old friend. The same dude you gave head to that one time. That old friend of mine. That's like one of the ballads. She always made it with them jerks. Assholes and white belts looking like young Clem Burke. That's, again, I got to go with you. Yeah, since you have to sing it to like place it. That means you thought about this. That's a fake song. Room. You were curled up with an old friend. 
same dude you gave head to. Yeah, that was me. All right, here we go. Last one. I like the Clem Burke uh, reference. It's yeah. always welcome <laughs> <Nice>. here. <laughs> Woke up on soiled carpet in an apartment complex outside the La Brea tar pits. Salminio got murdered there. At least that's what the dealer said. If he was lying, I couldn't tell. It was hot as hell. Craigie. Yeah, it's Finny. That was me. Damn, oh. that's good, dude. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. Yeah, it just goes to show you this guy is a hack. He can write those lyrics. He's a charlatan. Anyone could do it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we challenge all our listeners. Send us your best uh, Finnish style poetry. Man. Yeah. She sent me an email. All it read was re go to hell. <laughs> like the last name of the singer of this band. This episode is Finn, as they say in the last France. Name, the last name of the first name of the middle name. Speaking right, of Caleb, being take us out. Speaking of Finn, as in done in French. We are so excited for next week because as Francophiles, we will be exploring Saturday's Equal Youth by none other than M83. So come back for that episode. Oh, Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez. Do we go to high school with him? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We went to high school with the he Tony was on the Gonzalez. football team. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, he, was a bit, he became a bit of a weed maniac but um, yeah join us next week for that that's going to be electric M83 yeah. how are we saying that M83 or M83 I always said M83 it's like three it's more th- than an M80 like the firework that's always it's how I've heard it e- well I, equal. I was going to say where the name comes from but I think I'll save that for next week oh yeah dude don't don't give too much away but yeah join us next week for that yeah find yeah. out next week Stay and tuned uh, for that fun fact yeah thank you for listening to us through uh, all of our all of our episodes and um you know hit us up on email at whackerslaps at gmail.com uh rate review subscribe to uh our podcast where all podcasts are found um we're dropping episodes every thursday or friday you know pretty regularly so thank you for being with us on this journey and um yeah, please feel free to converse with us and uh, tell us what you think, and you know, give us your own yeah. opinions or suggest reviews. Suggest episodes, emails. We need five Talk star reviews. We need emails. We're gonna have some exciting things coming down. Right, we're gonna do different series. We might have some merch, and in order for us to do that, we need some input. We need some feedback. We need to know where you we stand with you guys so yeah um thank you for listening uh thank you to kiki for our awesome theme song thank you to adrian for all your production work and all your research thank you to noah for all your inspirational lyrics for noah and adrian thank you <laughs> uh thanks and and we have a celebrity guest that's craig finn craig finn thank you for joining us throughout this episode and contributing original it wasn't lyrics. a problem <laughs> I love podcasts. I like to drop in on them. We'll be releasing a limited released uh, seven inch vinyl with all the original songs from this podcast that Craig Finn wrote for us. So check out our web store for that. For Noah and Adrian, this is Caleb and this has been Whack Horse Slaps. And as always, we ask the eternal sparkling question. What made Milwaukee famous? Thank you. What made it famous? Tell us. Bye.
Bye.